I had a very strange childhood. Had the worst case any doctor had ever seen. My job is to keep healing. So that is the story. We all have remarkable stories within us. Stories of adversity, challenges, triumphs, and ultimately of healing. This is Your Health, Your Story, the podcast. We're so divorced from nature that many of the healing plants we've eaten for millennia are completely forgotten, overlooked, or they're compounded into synthetic drugs and then patented by pharmaceutical companies with side effects. Our guest today is on the mission to change that. He's a globetrotter researcher and investigating people, places, and foods around the world for solutions to the challenges impacting our health and planet. He's an author, podcaster, and a co-host of the Emmy Award-winning Netflix docu-series, Down to Earth with Zac Efron. This is the story of Fatal Conveniences with Darren Olian. Darren, welcome. Hey, man. It's great to be here. You know, I'm fascinated with everything about you after reading Super Life and really, you know, following uh, the show itself down to earth. But I want to get to kind of where this all started for you because you have a background in physiology, nutrition, you study masters in psychology. But did you ever kind of picture this path for you when you were really young? No. No, not at all. Not at all. No, not at all. I mean, coming from a small town in Minnesota, I barely could see uh, beyond my own feet, right? So you're just just a normal kid. And upon reflection, you can see certain things that are paving your way for a bigger picture. But at that time growing up, no. I mean, I wanted to be a veterinarian. I didn't know what I wanted to study in college. It was it was really the getting hurt playing college football that really kind of woke me up to be like, why don't I just study this body and this frustration that I have that it, that I can't play anymore? And so that was the blessing. And then you know it it just kind of kept mushrooming from there, you know. Yeah. And it often happens that way, that through our own kind of troubles, challenges, everything with our own body, right? Injuries, you see diseases that you go down a different path. You're thrust down that path. And for you, you started, you know, you ended up traveling the world. You became this superfood, uh, you know, hunter in a sense. You know, how do you assess even that word superfood? What does it mean to you? You know, on the one hand, you can answer it in many different ways. Initially, when I was, you know, that that term was given to me um, by a, a journalist on a, in a Business Week article, and it just kind of stuck ever since. But at the time, when I was deeply, you know, running around the globe, I was looking for interesting, underutilized botanicals and foods and plants that had special qualities, special constituents, special compounds that were many were used through indigenous cultures for a long time and some of which were already known but what i realized is all of this the way that they were processed were kind of neutering the plant or undercutting the the efficacy so that's what got me kind of you know traveling to see what was really going on, who was growing it, how they were growing it, and what conditions they were growing it in. And then how was it processed? Because all of that work of nature doing its thing, you know, building upon curcumin in in turmeric in India, building the maca means and maca meads and maca in, in you know 14,000 feet 
in the Andes, you do all of that work that nature does. And then all of a sudden you're processing it and heating it and killing it. I just wasn't interested in that. I said, well, we need to make sure that what is in these very historical plants, meaning they've had a long history of efficacy and use, let's keep them intact as much as possible and and deliver that nutrient density, those constituents that are required kind of in this day and age, right? So because of all the stressors and challenges we have, I really wanted to continue to be a liaison for what nature had done and concentrated those nutrients in particular foods and botanicals. So superfoods became for me just um, necessary plants that have a high level of nutrient capacity per calorie or per yeah. per measured unit, right? So you can look at you know, you know, some examples of that people are probably asking. So even really well fermented and grown cacao can be a superfood, right? Mm -hmm. Super high in magnesium, phenylethylamine, uh, neurotransmitter activity, all of these things. Plus you have, you know, this adaptogenic crowd of medicinal mushrooms and adaptogenic herbs like things that help the body adapt to stressors like uh, astragalus and ashwagandha and uh, chaga mushrooms and reishi, uh, shizandra, uh, re, you know, all of these things and a whole lot more. These are, you know, botanicals that are geared to help the body deal with these stressors. So I was attracted to plants that had their own mission as it related to us consuming them, right? We we have this very, very tight relationship with plants because they've been on our medicines um, way before we put on lab coats and created the American Medical Association. So that was my little way. And, and innocently coming from, you know, my dad being an, a, a professor at the University of Minnesota, working a lot with actual uh, farmers and, and teaching them business and economics. And my, my grandfather selling tractors in South Dakota, like I'm surrounded by, by farmers. So for me, it was kind of this innocent way of going out to the places around the globe to see what was really going on and then trying to, to do the business of it by making it better for those people. And then the, all the ultimate benefit was that whole chain. And so that when someone would consume that botanical that we work so hard to preserve, now the person has a chance to benefit from this superfood or this botanical coming from halfway around the world. And so the other quicker way I will answer that too is a superfood can be as easy as, you know, a store-bought conventional a potato is a lot different than you going out and planting your own sweet potatoes in cultivated rich soil, right? So, so comparing the two may look the same, but can be radically different in terms of the micronutrients and even uh, antioxidants and uh, mineral complexities 
that could have. So one could argue that this one is a little more super than this one, right? So um, there's no real definition of a superfood. It's just really, I think the focus is on making food better right? than where we've gotten to. Uh, yeah. Where we've gotten to is, 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 is a little off center. Now, I feel like unadulterated nature provides superfoods all around, right? And it, it depends on you as a person as well. What is to you that superfood? Because we're all quite different and, you know, have different yeah. ability to digest things and everything, which sort of leads me to that a second, like a follow-up answer on, on this search. You've been around the world, but there is a push now to eat a little bit more locally, not be shipping things all the, all around and kind of harming. But is that something you feel is realistic in America where we kind of have everything again, very conveniently given to us all times of the year, you can get things that aren't seasonally here. Do you feel we could move in a direction where we could still eat locally, have superfoods, perhaps, I don't know, not get it from all around the world. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because even some like Baruchas, which you do come from a certain part have to be shipped places. So, you know, locally versus the worldwide kind of, you know, providing of these things how do you feel about that yeah i mean listen i think at the end of the day the, you know there there's not this thing that's going to save us it's yeah. a, comple- a complex issue and by how we're sleeping and you know the food we're drinking the food we're eating and the water we're drinking uh and the meals we make every day uh, those are the cornerstone and the movement we give our body those are the cornerstones of our health and then the adjunct is the, the using food as medicine approach, filling in the gaps that we're clearly having in our modern day world. And then the other thing to, to really add is absolutely we can do it from a local perspective. So, you know, expanding that aperture a little bit, you realize, I think the stat is about 42 to 47 million acres of lawn that we currently water. For what, right? Bordering our homes, serving no function other than a great place for our our pets to poop, right? And occasionally throw a football at once a year, like like with your kid. So if even if you took half of that, and everyone started watering food, and then made this beautiful botanically rich opportunity of food production rather than watering lawn, we could grow so much food, it would blow your mind, right? Yeah. We we could become, you know, you know, your neighbors has way too many tomatoes. So you take some, you have way too many sweet potatoes, you give some. Like that's the thing about nature. When you follow nature, you know, one seed it produces 700 seeds in a pomegranate of one pomegranate within many of the one seed that you planted. So nature is the perfect model of abundance. And so if we follow her, we follow nature, we quickly will realize and start to, you know, create that sovereignty back again. And so, yeah, less and less and less dependent on anything outside of ourselves, right? Water, power, food, shelter. We should constantly be thinking about decentralizing all of that stuff and think about, you know, ways that everyone 
anyone listening to that, wouldn't it be great to have most of the food you needed out your front door? Wouldn't it be amazing to have clean energy generation? And I'm not just saying solar and wind. There's a lot of other technology. Wouldn't it be great so that when the power went down, uh, if it were to go down, that you actually have the power for your own home? Wouldn't it be great to to have clean water that's not dependent on, you know, so it's these things again, and then you go outside and everyone can, can grow herbs. Everyone can grow medicinal herbs to, to um, even if you don't have land, you can, you know, make some pots and grow, hell, you can grow tomatoes, you can grow carrots, you can grow cilantro you can grow basil you can grow you can grow plants and then there's just a lot of power in that yeah and it's an interesting discussion because right now it feels like we're in a scarcity mindset where food shortages we're talking about and things aren't available when if you really take a step back we're we're all in an abundance of land yeah. an abundance of things that we don't even realize. And if we stepped up and started gardening a little bit more, it's a, we can start to listen, address that. It's a failed system. It's not true that the shortages are short. Yeah. It's that the system that we've quote unquote become dependent on is not that great, right? So we have to rethink this stuff. We have yeah. to put more seeds in the ground. We have to use this sovereign kind of soul that we have and just start using our common sense. Listen, in the modern day world, we've created such an incredible ability to have all of these, these conveniences, right? But to the point where it's divorcing us from our own nature. And that's where it gets really, really kind of tricky, right? When we've all of a sudden flipped the script on most of the time in our lives, the about 93% of our lives were were led mostly outside. And now it's completely opposite. So we're not touching the ground. We're not in touch with the, the light of the start of the day or the light at the end of the day or circadian rhythms. No one's sleeping. If you're not sleeping, you're losing the greatest superfood you can possibly imagine. And the restoration and upregulation that sleeping only does. And there's no food, no plant, no thing that you can do to counteract the the lopsided uh dysfunction and dysregulation of the body's rhythms so it's very 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 basic and common sense but we've made it so complicated and again we've given so much of our power away to these systems we just need to kind of okay great and there, again i'm all for you know turning on the heat when it's cold and turning on the air conditioning when it's hot. Like these things are amazing. Turning on the faucet and I have on demand water. Mm-hmm. Like it's incredible. Right? right. And we have to wake up from the apathy that we're in a little bit. Like we do not have food shortages. We just right. have a, we have a fail. We have many, many, many failing systems. And those failing systems, especially when I look at something like medicine, which I've been in or around my whole life, are leading us to disease, unhappiness, unhealthy situations. I mean, I even saw this today. A study came out that gardening, which we're talking about, reduced cancer risk, chronic disease, and improved mental health, which makes total sense to me. 
Because again, when you're gardening, you're outside, you got your hands in Mother Earth, you're getting microbiomes in there that are good for you. Everything leads into this cascade and you got great food supply. But it does lead me into this idea of what you talk about. And it's a new book. I know you're working on fatal conveniences. Convenience is what it is. We've traded health, empowerment, all these were right for convenience. And we've done it somewhat willingly. I don't think there are people out there anymore that say, oh, I didn't know that was bad for me. Why do you think that is? Do you think that we're just in a state where health doesn't really matter to us anymore? Like I think about this. I tell people all the time, you talk about sunscreen and I say, don't use spray oxy, but that is a known carcinogen, endocrine disruptor. It's terrible for you. In every way, shape, or form, you could look this up. You cannot deny it. I mean, these are published reports on it, and they still use it. I mean, what is that, Darren? Like, where where are we going wrong with that? How do we get in touch with those people? Because it seems it's like health just doesn't matter. Or are they going to say, well, there's a pill for that somewhere, so I'd rather deal with the convenience, deal with the pill, send it down the road, and deal with cancer when I'm 70? I mean, that's a it's an amazing question and and I don't have an answer for it. Right. I I know that in the one hand they don't want to believe you that that mm-hmm. is true which is why you know I I now finished the book um after a year and a half and being inspired by my father in the 90s with he had chemical sensitivity there is an apathy I'm using this word again there's an apathy to if I go to a store or a grocery store, that anything there can't possibly harm me, right? I could, it, it, why would they sell that? There's regulatory systems in place. There's there's the FDA, there's the USDA, there's the FCC, there's the EPA, all of these and so many quote unquote regulatory bodies, they got our back. They're, they're, they're protecting us. Our government's protecting us. We, in some way, we want to believe that. We really do. I really want to believe that, but I'm staring at the research. I'm staring, just like you said, the oxybenzoines and all of these things. I mean, you're staring at this stuff going, oh my God, this is a known carcinogen, and yet it's still allowed in products, still allowed in children's products, still allowed in all of these things. So your compromised immune system, your your neutering of your own body and your children and everything else, all of these things, it's it's an invisible, slow killer that, believe me, it's everywhere. Personal care and beauty products and clothing and and electromagnetic fields. I mean, the research around uh, EMFs is exactly as if it was a chemical. Like these things are just, I mean, the best thing I can do is try to educate in a common sense kind of way. When you lay it out there, you go, okay, if you take this dental floss that conveniently slips between your teeth, well, that convenient slip is a cousin of Teflon called PFAS, and it is good at its job. You know, you don't slam your gums or cut your gums because it's that convenient little slip, but it's a known carcinogenic to your kidneys, published 
right? Yep. So we, again, we reach for that product. It's a product that works, but we somehow, and listen, this should be shouted from every mainstream media. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, you have a choice to buy this product. For some reason, it's still on the market, but it's going to help sprint you towards cancer. Probably not a good idea, right? So, you know, we have 60 to 80,000 toxins and uh, chemicals put in our environment every year. 200 chemicals, most of which are carcinogenic in the umbilical cord of every child born today. And numbers are only increasing. So the best, to answer your question, the best thing I can do is that I perceive I can do at this moment is kind of lay it out. Here's what's going on. Here's where they failed. And this is what you can do about it. Stay away from this and do this instead. Right. So it's not that I'm trying to take conveniences away. Mm -hmm. I'm just really trying to steer people towards healthier products that are tested and and you can still use dental floss. You can still brush your teeth. You can still shampoo your hair. It's just don't use these known harmful chemicals in the process. Unfortunately, the big boys and, you know, and these big companies you know, still have this, uh, this, you know, these games going on with this stuff. And um, that's part of what I'm just trying again to kind of shake people just a little bit to kind of wake out of the zombie mode of thinking that everything's fine when it really isn't. So I think, I think the invisible world of these chemicals are, one of the biggest dangers that we face because it's a slow uh, destruction of our, of our bodies and of society. And I feel also because it is that slow destruction, it's the, the boiling of the frog slowly until you don't, you know, realize that you're there in a completely diseased state that you can't truly attribute one to one, right? You can't attribute what you're eating right now with GMO sprayed with pesticides and say, you know, tomorrow I got cancer. Oh, I know that. I had this, I had cancer. It's over years. And you have this powerful, you know, lobbyist and these incredibly large companies now that are, are, you know, across the globe forcing hands of even the government. And like you said, if you look back on the track record of FDA between Vioxx and Oxycontin, so many things they got wrong. Others they don't even talk about and have been slid under. You'd be able to say, hey, this isn't a winning formula. If you go to a financial analyst and they're losing you money year after year, you should probably, you know, stop trusting their word. But we still do. And it's unfortunate. And we're seeing the out cause in 60% chronic illness, like you said, cancer rampant, obesity in children now. I mean, how do you feel about that? I don't know if you saw that from the AAP that recently said. As young as 12, we should start giving them drugs for obesity and do surgery on them. I mean, to me, it was just like, come on, guys, we can't do lifestyle. We can't talk about sugar intake, this and everything. Like, even that, the AP for pediatricians to do that to me is just like, can we please stop this? You know, this is insanity now. Let's, let's call them out on this. Right. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't make any sense to me. Because, you know, the, the, you know, treating the problem with the same problem, meaning chemicalize, burn, scrape, you know, cut, 
your way to the solution of this problem is insane. You know, how about eliminating ultra processed foods? How about eliminating and changing these chemicals? You know, if you want to create subsidies in the in the in the world, uh, I, I you know figure out where people are live, get their zip code, and give them a bunch of seeds. Don't give mm-hmm. them money. Mm-hmm. Let them let them plant food, and they have food, right? And let 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 people kind of get back to what they know to do. So, you know, the biggest kind of I realized the the God that is worshipped here more than ever is the prophet and it's mm. it's unfortunate because the the prophet and the power of that has compromised everything and so the only thing that it hasn't compromised is the eight billion people that are here mm. right so so that's what we need to talk to we need to talk i want to talk to the moms you know the you know, i want to tell don't put those don't put those disposable diapers on your child it's a petroleum and it's neutering your beautiful little baby um meaning that it's getting those endocrine disruptors and those plasticizers and those phthalates and all those things getting into your child so don't use those use these so get get the mom get the lioness get her fired up get her educated and also get the kids educated yeah do you know what's you know that yellow number four uh, of that beverage, you know what it's doing to you. Let's wake up, and we've got numbers on our side, man. And then that that voting power of our of our dollars, then you see waves of change. Yeah. So I, I would rather have you know we we were lucky we had you know I think up to the first season of Down to Earth we had seventy five million people that saw it uh, in the first year, and you know great. Let's go because that's a lot more than a half of a half of a half of one percent of people that are trying to make decisions for all of us. So let's let's uh, let's educate and and know that unfortunately, not all products and services are uh, have your best interest. So, and again, I'm not here to. It's very simple for me. If something, I don't even care to call people out or call the agencies out. All I see is them failing at their job for whatever reason. I don't know why I can yeah. make assertions, but they're failing at it. So all I want for people is to know that certain things are riddled with cancer causing, endocrine disrupting, challenging manipulations of, of body chemistry and obesogens. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, the chemicals that are causing some of this obesity is also at large, right? So there, there's the body holding on to a huge amount of these chemicals because the great thing that the body does is it can hold chemicals that are harmful to the body in fat tissue. That's right. So there's a lot of amazing protections that the body does in this weird world that we've created. But Literally, it's like it's us just uh, waking up to us, and I'm excited about it. I, you know, I don't like that some of the things are what they are, but I'm excited about like, hey man, like now that I found this out, let's just do this over here. Let's use this. Let's let's empower ourselves and and like a good thing, people want to pass on good things. Absolutely. I, you know, I always say I'm not anti-pharmaceutical, anti-chemical or anti-food in a sense. I'm pro-health. That's what I am yeah. at my core. 
If we could get you healthy, that is like my mission. That's what I'm happiest about. You could still have all that out there. Big tobacco is still out there. It doesn't have the power it has anymore, for sure. And people have turned more pro-health, which is great. And it starts with empowerment. And you know, we can't deny the 60 to 80,000 or more chemicals out there. They're out there. They're probably never, you know, going back into the box of sorts. But I know you talk about, and this is a big part of what we try to do with our medical clinic and everything we do is detoxification. It was one of your five, you know, big uh, pieces there in Super Life, your first book. So talk about how you detoxify in such a toxic world. And, and like you said, even things like EMFs and 5G, these totally unseen toxins, no one seems to talk about, but of course impact us. What are you doing to really detoxify and limit toxicity? I mean, that's the first thing you limit your exposure, right? So the foods you're eating, that's clearly the, the filtration of, of water, you know, because there's, there's just a really huge amount of uh, chemicals from our world that are now in our tap water. Mm-hmm. So creating your world. And then again, your home, you know, there there's fire retardants showing up in TV sets, uh, couches and pillows and uh, mattresses uh, in baby clothing. It, it's just so astonishing. Mm-hmm. So you have to, unfortunately, you got to do some work because, because yeah. again, the first, the first layer is realizing that no one has your best interest other than you. So as much as we want to trust even our doctors, you still have to use discernment of your own common sense and ask questions and everything else. I too, I have nothing against our medical system. It's freaking amazing, but we've misidentified it as you know, a health service. Mm. It's, it's not for long-term health. It's for, you know, I cut my leg uh, last year with the chainsaw. I'm going right to the doctor. Uh, So I forget where your, where the question was, but um, yeah. So anyway, I mean, listen, I think the the point is that we have all these toxins in the world. We want to limit them any way possible. Right. And then we want to try and get them out. Is there anything you're doing? I mean, listen, oh, yeah. we we came together. Basically, I, I knew through Dr. Robbie Besner at the, his Therisage. I use the infrared sauna a lot, yeah. sweat out toxins, right? Get it out of the tissue. What are the other ways? Of course, I think water, like, but what are the ways you're detoxing, not just limiting toxin exposure? Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of great things. I got great practitioners that I reach out. I do, you know, doing blood panels, doing testing, doing yeah. your T counts, getting getting what the diagnostic things that anyone can do. You want to see what's going on in your body and get it from multiple directions. And so therefore you have you have clear evidence going, okay, well, you're you're getting some exposure here and you're getting some exposure there. You know, so uh, like for example, one of the cornerstones that I just recently went back to is I just did a colon cleanse. I just mm-hmm. finished one like that one. If if your colon is processing and moving and clearing itself out, I mean, think about it. Like that in your your urea, mm-hmm. uh, your bladder. I mean, that's those are the ways your body's releasing plus your skin, like you said. So getting out, uh, I sweat every day. Uh, I've been. A cold plunging and cold showering for 15 years. You know, I like also the way back in the day, uh, Dr. Schultz 
we would do uh, hot and cold. So you'd get this kind of pumping effect of the body in the Lymphatic shower. Lymphatic drainage, so, right? Yeah. Yes. And it's like unbelievable. Yeah. It's different mm-hmm. than just sitting in a sauna or going in a cold plunge. Um, these kinds of things, plus obviously on a daily basis, just clearing the mind, mm. you know, not flipping on the the phones and the TVs straight away and do that first work of silence and meditation and journaling and more than ever, man, like more than ever, because there's so much input Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and people are telling us what to do and think and be and all of that stuff. We need to be informed from the inside out. So, yeah, so I'm a big fan. I, I, uh, Intermittent fast. It was funny how that's the term now, but I was fasting <laughs> for 20 years. I used to just do all fruit before noon and all of that stuff. I used to fast every Friday for 36 hours. And now mm-hmm. kind of back to that, except I just did this colon cleanse. So, you know, it's like proactive stuff that yeah. builds on each other is a really good plan. And that's the beauty of it. Most of this stuff is free. I mean, we we are given the most amazing excretory organs to deal with this. Of course, they're overwhelmed if you don't allow them to. But once you just do that, a fast, right? That resets yeah. things. You're not putting totally. things in so you can get them out. You could totally. go outside and sweat, right? You could run in nature and that's a sweating, you know, and just being in the UV rays. That's even, and then your minds, people forget about that because they think about body only, yeah. but that mental aspect of it, the meditation, the getting things out on paper, almost detoxing negative thoughts and staying away from the fear porn of news and what everyone sells you these days. So it's really, really important. Now you finished up and it aired the second season of down to earth. It it was another great season. You were in Australia most of the time. And what was the like highlight or something you learned there that you hadn't known before that kind of hit you a little bit deeper? The obvious one for me is just the, learning from the aboriginal mm. first nations people you know uh, and and certainly tory strait the the history of the tory strait islanders which is very close to papua new guinea yes in the in the northeast um i knew nothing of that kind of and and, and really we found out as many australians don't know of that right. area and the way they're living and how they're living and the challenges that they're having um, but also just the openness, just the first vibe from every indigenous person was just like, it wasn't, it was just there. You can feel the inclusiveness innately within their hearts and within their actions. And, and it's almost to the point where it's overwhelming in a sense, because of their inclusiveness and just demonstrate it under severe odds of getting, you know, their entire country taken over and the plight of that whole scenario. And yet you show up and the the warmth and the giving and the care and the openness that set such an amazing tone for the series because that's the those are the original people, right? They're the original people. And who are we to say anything about that land without including them? And and with 
without them including us and then you know the the whole series just peppered with you know i'm always just blown away by the inspired people doing amazing things right so you know the simple things of you know a few grams of uh, asparagopsis from the sea eliminates methane in a cow by over 90 (laughs) percent like and you know even though i don't like animal agriculture at that scale Mm -hmm. it's something that you could fix immediately it also screams at me that the the misdirection of our agencies again mm-hmm. and and the government's priorities when you have committed people around this planet that are making extraordinary amazing progress that it's very clear that the government leads nothing uh that we as people lead everything right that's where it touches me um and of course, swimming with wild dolphins and swimming <laughs> in the Great Barrier Reef and seeing the intricacy of a very, you know, radically different ecosystem that might as well be on the moon. Right. right. So, yeah, um, yeah it's uh, touched, touched, touched by the people and touched yeah. by. I mean, for yeah. me, it definitely brings me this understanding that, you know, our ancestors and ancient wisdom is is nothing to be scoffed at or think of as or belittled because they didn't have the technology we have now. And we find ourselves all, you know, important because of that and laugh maybe at people that look to the stars back. Like, I find that incredible arrogance in a sense. And that's probably why we're out of touch with nature and sicker than we've ever been. 100%. And secondly, what I pull out of that is, the amazing ability for nature to provide solutions we never even knew we'd have problems to, right? It's almost like when you look at something like 5G and EMF, which is very new, and then you look at something like shungite and other types of you know materials that basically counteract that. And it's like, it, it was almost a foresight of mother nature to provide us with this. Yeah. And for that, you, you have to you know be in, at all with nature and start to see, well, Nature has the solutions. You know, Einstein was right. He wasn't a dumb guy when he's like, you look to nature, right? And I think that's what we have to do overall in medicine and health, just for humanity is look to nature. And so for that, like, yeah, I I really did appreciate that series altogether because I think it got people to be like, damn, there's a lot out there, first off, that I didn't know about. And wow, nature and, and our ancestor and people we don't know about are pretty pretty incredible right yeah the the best and you realize that the opposite of that divorced from nature and yes. trying to artificialize an existence and thinking that it's advancement clearly has a long continuous side effect of immense proportion that we're playing with things that like you said, the arrogance that we think we are above nature or nature is somewhere out there is just the, the the massive flaw of a human. And and again, it's one of the simplest things I say is to reconnect with nature. I mean, you should have never been. You are a part of nature. We don't disconnect, actually, but we do in a sense. And it, I always say, if you want to find yourself, get healthier or anything, just go out into nature. Go out to your forest, your park, anywhere. Doesn't need to be that you get a plane, have to travel to the middle of Tibet and, you know, be alone and become a Buddhist, but you could do so much just by walking outside and literally hugging a tree, right? And feeling it and touching a leaf and staring at it for a second and seeing the veins that resemble our veins in our own body. 
Like so much could come out of that. And yet some people scoff at that and say, where's the drug, right? Where's the, the clinical proof? Now, I know we only have a limited time here. So I wanted to get to the new book. You said you finished it, uh, Fatal Conveniences. Tell us, what are some of the things we're going to learn in there? What will the reader kind of pull out of that? Yeah, so it's it's similar to some of the things we've been talking about other than I'm, I'm taking some massive swings at you know, setting up the course of the history of some of these things, how we got there, what's the biggest problems of electromagnetic fields, personal care pr- products, clothing. You don't realize the destructive nature of clothing. That actually shook me to my core. I didn't realize how how crazy that is. And uh, food systems. I really d- dug into food systems and what kind of food comes out of that. Obviously, ultra-processed food, but also just the the, the the chemicalized forms of animal agriculture. Um, but the great thing is, you know, it's, it's again, we're running around with these ideas that, hey, it's all good. I'm, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. I, I dive into this, you know, this device we all have, the cell phone, and you'll, you'll walk away going, probably I'm never going to put that cell phone up to my head. Or in your uh, pocket, right? By or, your or, reproductive system. <laughs> yeah. And it's clear. The cl- evidence is clear. And the fine print of the manufacturers say that this is not safe within nine inches of the body. And is anyone ever doing that? No. So, yeah. so we expose things, but we take people on a journey of like, hey, man, this is how we got here. Here's the really bad, bad problems of this convenience uh, that's not so great. And here's what you do about it. So the last portion of the book is really, here's all of the amazing options that you have that are not going to harm you. So, you know, we have to talk about the fatal conveniences of it in order for people to get to the other side. That's the fun. It's like anything in life. You have to, you have to deal with your problems because your problems don't go away by not dealing with them. You got to expose these things first and then celebrate. And again, you take one step at a time, you clear your space. And then right. what's going to happen over time is you're going to feel better and better and better and better and better. And then you're detoxed, mm-hmm. right? And you and you just do the next, next right thing. I think that this book, when it comes out, it's on pre-order right now, but when it comes out, people will realize they can just go back to it over and over and over again. And it's just the start. Fatal conveniences are everywhere, right? Everywhere. There, there's so many different aspects of fatal conveniences. Like I said, the dental floss to the toothpaste, the fluorides, the tap water, uh, to shoes, even normal <laughs> shoes are just horrible for your feet. Uh, colognes and perfumes. And like we just cover so much. We just cover so much in the book. And, um, I'm excited about it. I just did a talk uh, the other day and I blasted out a few few things and people, um, this whole dental, like these students, these dental students came up to me and they were like so astonished. Mm. But, you know, that's that's the thing. Also is an interesting one because, you know, dentists, and I've spoken to many, you know, look at their kind of fatal conveniences of mercury, fluoride, you know, some other things that they should be turning around. You know, yeah. I did say see that the ADA is starting to pull back and said they were going to phase out all mercury fillings, but it should have been a long time ago by oh. now. It's oh. like, come on, that's one of the worst things you could do is put one of the most potent neurotoxins known to man inside your mouth. Oh. 
crazy. But you know, the, the point is you got to point out these problems and people realize, oh yeah, it does make sense. Why would I put that in my mouth? And then you provide the solutions like ceramic yeah. things and others. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like, listen, I'm excited because it's like problem, solution, problem, yeah. solution. The rest of my life, whether it's water, power, food, shelter, toxic products or whatever, it's, it's, it's problem solution. And sometimes the solution we need to go, we need to push harder on it. We yeah. need to get these things solved. We need to expose this so we can then develop together these solutions. And they're, they're, they're here um, yeah. and, and we're ready and it's time again we can't wait for other people to do those things. We no, 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 no. Darren, where can people learn more about you, about getting the book, Barucos, everything? You got a lot going on, I know, but yeah, yeah. Know, where, where can they learn more? Yeah, so DarrenOlean.com. Um, we've got Barucas.com, uh, B-A-R-U-K-A-S, uh, Best Nuts on the Planet. And uh, Darren Olean Social. You can pre-order the book, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, uh, Fatal Conveniences. Yeah, that's a few things. It sounds amazing, Darren. You know, thank you so much. First off, for your work, for everything you're doing to showcase this and show people a different way, leading them to health. And I truly believe that the healthier you are, the healthier this planet is. So, thank you for that. Yeah, man, my pleasure. Keep up your good work as well. Will do. Like we discussed so often on this show, so many of the answers to our challenges, whether it be health or ecological, really lie in our ability to reconnect with nature. Until next time, keep writing your own healing story.